I'm so mindful. I'm going to switch mics here. I'm so mindful, Lord. Uh, oh, when Peter saw you on the water and wanted so much to be where you are, he said, Lord, if, if it's really you, command me and I will come on the water to you. And God, as we celebrated a few weeks ago, you, you heard his cry. You invited him to come, and, and though he eventually took his eyes off of you and began to sink, God, he walked with you on the water. And I thank you so much that every time we begin to sink, every time the waves begin to overwhelm us, and we cry out, oh, save me, you reach out like you did to Peter. And you grab hold of us and, and you gently help us back into the boat. You, you speak to the wind and the waves and they are still. And all that remains over and over again, we saw this, God. All that remains is you and us and the stillness and peace that comes from those two things being together. So, God, as we come together this Holy Week, we're so mindful and somewhat uh, apprehensive about the events that we are going to walk with you through, Jesus. God, I'm so mindful, too, of those who are already walking through those events with you, those who are already suffering. God, I cry out that just as you always have, you would draw very near. God, I think of those who right now have such apprehension about physical challenges that they're facing, many with surgeries on the horizon or, or doctor's appointments where we're not sure what the outcome will be. God, I thank you that you're here with us now. And God, I'm so mindful of those who emotionally have been wounded and who have have laid on so many layers of callous and, and protection, God, that I don't even know if they can feel anymore. Oh, God, I pray that you would create such a safe place this week in our hearts, God, that we could risk letting go of all of our human protections and casting ourselves upon your mercy and grace. And then God, as always, I just think of those who, out of self-protection, have stopped even thinking that maybe, just maybe, you could become real to them, God. And, and they, have, they have built up walls between you and them so that they won't be hurt when their expectations are not met. Oh, forgive us. God, for making you in our own image. Forgive us for placing expectations on you that were all about our defenses and not about your glory. Oh, Jesus, come again, would you, into the city of our hearts. Come again into the city of this church. Come in, God, again to Evansville and save us. And God, we will look forward with joy 
to that day when there is no more tear and no more sadness. Where together we worship one on the throne who looks as a lamb that had been led to slaughter the very Lamb of God. We look forward to that day when when the sacrificial lamb is raised in glory with all those who have trusted in him beside him. So would you meet us in this place today as we begin our Passion Week, as we enter with you, Jesus, into your suffering, as we hear your cry. Could you not pray with me one hour as, as we walk with you to the cross, as we as silently wait, wondering what the future holds, as we hear the first harbingers this week of incredible hope. But he is not here. He is risen. God, I pray that in all of those things, you would uh, fill us to overflowing with your presence. And God, you would speak to each of us exactly what we need to hear. Begin now, God, as we open your word. I pray that it would come alive for us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would so infuse the page, the words on the page and, and the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts that we would leave this place positively transformed. We would leave this place closer to you than when we came. Mm. Thank you, God, for all the promises that are yes in Jesus. We lift him up today, now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to the Word of God in just a minute. Um, I invite you, if you would, uh, children, you are welcome to stay with us. Uh, doesn't it do your heart a good when in the middle of a pastoral prayer you hear a child cry out and say, thank you, Jesus, right? Because he's given us that little reminder, unless you, unless we come to him like little children, right? We can't approach him at all. So let's watch and learn, Okay. It doesn't mean you cry out in the middle of my service. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Be very, very careful um, what you say and do. Um, uh, I was doing teaching yesterday afternoon at the retreat, and and, uh, I'm going to be in trouble. Um, It was a half-hour message. And, uh, And then at the end of it, the precious ladies in the back of the room hold up a sign, four minutes to go. Pick up another sign. Two minutes to go. One, and I, and I was giving them a hard time. And, and I'm saying, they're giving me a hard time, but, but this is so important. And I finally finished probably two or three minutes after the last sign, right? Don't get your hopes up. Um, little did I know that, that um, my half hour, they were giving me an hour warning. That I was an hour into this thing. And I had a prayer partner down down in the basement who was praying for me. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, she's going to be plastered on the floor. All right. And so um, and so uh, one of the people that keeps us all organized, they called stewards. One of the stewards um, stole my bed, stole my bed. I went back to my room and there was a little note that said, if you're going to take away our rest, I'm going to take away yours. <laughs> I had 
<laughs> I had to uh, beg for my bed back last night, but um, it was all in fun. But we had this amazing opportunity to become like children and to open our eyes and ears to his word. Let's do that together. Can we do that? Would you open up your Bibles or your phones, whatever um, tool you're using to hear God's word, to Luke chapter 19. There's so many places we could have gone. All four of the Gospels record this story of Jesus coming into uh, Jerusalem. I chose this one for reasons that you'll you'll see soon. I uh, chose this one this year because I think there's some very precious truths for us here uh, in Luke chapter 19. We're going to pick it up again at verse. Uh, well, I'm going to read 28 just to give you the context, and then we'll jump over to 36. Uh, verse 28 of Luke 19. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead. He'd been in in um, Jericho. And he went on ahead, look at this, going up to Jerusalem. That's a 3,000-foot climb over several hours, maybe four or five hours, roughly somewhere between, depending on which route, they took 15 to 20 miles. So everything we're going to read today is after a 15 or 20-mile hike up 3,000 feet. A lot of backpackers in the room, what happens when you hike up 3,000 feet in a couple of hours? Uh, I get a massive headache um, just from the altitude change. Um, So they came up to Jerusalem, picking up the story now over in verse 36. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near already on the way to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples, look, look at that, beginning with his disciples, they began to rejoice And praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Now, they were coming just, I mean, come down the hill from Bethany where Lazarus was raised from the dead just a couple of weeks before, right? And they began to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Matthew and Mark record, Hosanna in the highest. Lord, save us. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the conservative branch of of Judaism. The Pharisees said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why would he why would they ask him to do it? Because the only one worthy of those statements was the Messiah, right? They said, Teacher, don't let them call you the Messiah, right? And Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very rocks would cry out. Verse 41, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day what, excuse me, the things that would make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side And tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you. And and lest you think the buildings will last, they will not leave one stone upon another in you, Jerusalem. Because you did not know 
the time of your visitation. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you. Well, wow, what amazing journey. 15 or 20 miles all the way up to the top of the Mount of Olives, then over that hill and spread out before. It's kind of uh, surprising to me that the Mount of Olives is actually taller than uh, Mount Moriah or Mount Zion, the other mountains in that little chain right there. But when you come over that hill, many of you have, then you can see the whole, now old city, spread out before you, right? And the whole old city can see you, right? So as they came over that hill, beginning with the disciples, they began to cry out a clearly messianic uh, a cry from the Psalms. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And you've got to imagine that, that this created quite an uproar. All those people, now we're not just talking about 12 disciples now, right? We're talking about all those people in Jericho who had seen uh, the miracle and, and watched as Jesus spoke to, to um, Zacchaeus done that miracle of transformation in this Jewish man's life, then made that long journey, picked up the people in Bethany who had seen the miracle of Lazarus' resurrection. Now this mob is coming over the top of the hill, and there had been so much anticipation in Jerusalem. Um, there always was every Passover, uh, because, because could this be the time when the Messiah comes? We'll celebrate on, on uh, Thursday. We'll, we'll have children run to the door to see if Elijah is at the door. Why? Because Elijah was the forerunner to the Messiah. If Elijah was at the door, it meant that this was the Passover when the Messiah would come. So what are you going to think? I'm a little over-caffeinated. I'm sorry. What are you going to think when you see this mob coming down the hill, you're going to think, this could be it. And so, with this mob coming down the hill, another mob came out from Jerusalem to greet him, right? And, and, and it was exactly what the, the Pharisees did not want to have happen, right? We don't want to create a ruckus at Passover because the Romans will crush us. Wow. Well, I want to look with you at just two things today in this Palm Sunday. Um, what was the response of the city to Jesus? And then just look briefly, if we can. And Lord, we don't know what that emergency is, but we know that you do. And we just ask that you, God, would intervene and, and surround and comfort and heal both the responders and the people they're responding to. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I apologize if you're watching on screen. We just had a bunch of emergency vehicles go by. So um, what was the response of the city to Jesus? But then also, what was Jesus' response to the city? Let's look first at the response of the city to Jesus. For time's sake, we didn't read it. But like Jesus always did, before he went into a place, a city, he would send two or more disciples ahead of time. Is that sounding familiar? Disciples of Jesus, right? Uh, he'd send them ahead of time to sometimes prepare physically a place for them, but most often to prepare the city for the coming of Jesus. 
Jesus of Nazareth is coming into this city, right? And so um, he sent two, uh, he sent two disciples into um, into Jerusalem, and I don't have any other expression for it. I'm going to make Mark work back there, wandering around the sanctuary. Um, I don't have any other expression for it other than to say it was a donkey jacking, right? Yeah, seriously. Now, now um, we know carjackings, right? But um, but um, the donkey was their primary mode of transportation. It was a serious offense. I'm smiling because my grandmother, Richard, was so embarrassed that there was a horse thief in our genealogy. And, and so she whispered to me one time when I finally was old enough, you know, there's a horse thief. I'm thinking, Grandma, I've done a lot worse than that myself, right? That's not, that's not news to me. But he said, um, you'll find, uh, and Matthew tells us a little more details, you'll find both a, a colt of a, a, a donkey, a, a, a young donkey that's never been ridden on, and Matthew tells us it's mother, and bring them both. Luke doesn't include that detail, because the colt was the important part. The colt was the fulfillment of Zechariah, right? Uh, nine, chapter 9, where it was prophesied that the Messiah would come in not on a white stallion, but on a colt, right? And I love it that Matthew included the fact that they brought the mother along too. Why? Oh, uh, Randy, what's going to happen when, when you jump on a colt that's never been ridden on before, right? It's going to be a little exciting. Um, um, the mom, Lord willing, was a calming influence of that colt, and Jesus sat on them both. Why? Because he wanted them unmistakably to understand two things. Who was coming in? The Messiah was coming in. But that he was coming in peace. He was coming in peace. Because they, they knew scriptures. They knew that one day um, the Messiah would come as a mighty warrior and smite their enemies, right? And, uh, and that's what they wanted. So the disciples got the donkey, just like Jesus said. Um, people said, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, And they said, the, the Lord has need of it. And, and they freely let both the donkeys go, the mother and the colt go. And, and so um, they freely gave their donkey because the Lord has need of it. Why is that? Because it's a response fit for a prophet, right? Uh, Elijah, everywhere he went, he rode on a donkey, right? It, I, people, when they saw a prophet come, and they didn't know what this meant. It's kind of like me when those red and blue lights go on in my rearview mirror, right? I don't know what's coming next. Um, uh, prophets scared them, and the don- they would intentionally ride donkeys to reveal, I'm coming in peace. I'm coming in peace. But another phenomenon happened. They, they um, began to take off their cloaks and their outer garments and lay them in the road, right? Lay them in the path of the donkeys that Jesus was riding on. What is going on there? That's what they did with kings, right? That was a response fit for a king. And, and they cried out, as we've seen, this this heartfelt prayer, Hosanna, Hosanna, and, and waved palm branches. I think two things were going on there. I think one thing, there was a genuine aspect, I need 
someone to intercede for me. I need a priest. And so it was totally a response fit for a, a priest. But but there's something else going on there. Remember in our studies when we saw 200 years before the time of Jesus, when when the people of God could wait no longer, or few of them could wait no longer for the coming of the Messiah, they took um, their salvation in their own hands and and rebelled against the Romans. That's like begging to be crushed, right? But this is 200 years before uh, Christ. This is this is um, two centuries, I should say, before Christ. This was before Rome had c- completely come into its power, and they overcame, at least in Judea. And and the Romans had all the military equipment, right? The Romans had all the beautiful horses. The Romans had these beautiful uh, standards that that identified the different legions, right? They had all these this pageantry, right? And, uh, the people of Israel had nothing. So they cut palm branches. And their standard became the palm branch. You, even today, when you find coins from the Maccabean and Hasmonean period, they have palm branches on them, right? So waving a palm branch was not just saying, Lord, save me, but it's saying, deliver me from my oppressors, right? You see how many mixed things were going on on Palm Sunday. Uh, yes, some were looking for a priest, but some were looking for a military leader as well. And, and all of these expectations cannot be fulfilled in one uh, coming of Jesus. Make no mistake, they will be fulfilled. There will be Christ coming to conquer his enemies. But it wasn't then. It wasn't then. So the city responded by saying, we need a prophet. We need a priest. We need a king, right? And, and each of them expecting that to look differently probably had their expectations unmet. But isn't it interesting that that's exactly who Jesus was? He was a prophet. He spoke forth the very word of God. He was a priest. He made intercession in his own body for the sins of the people. Uh, but he also was a king. He, he inaugurated a kingdom that we enjoy today, the kingdom of God. For the first time through this man, we had access to God the Father. So Jesus was and is all of those things. People just couldn't grasp it. They just couldn't grasp it. But let me ask a second question. What was Jesus' response to the city? I mean, mobs of people are coming behind him. Mobs of people are coming up to join him. This is, this is the moment. Remember how many times he said, we've seen it so often, my time has not yet come. This is his moment. This is his kairos. This is the time that had been prophesied. Everything coming to fulfillment. So you would think that this would be just amazing. But as he comes over that, that, uh, that hill, the Mount of Olives, and looks down on the city, his response is not joy. His response is, is weeping. Is weeping, right? Why? Why did Jesus weep? Now, I'm thinking, I can only think of one other time that Jesus wept. And it was not very many weeks before this event, right? 
Do you remember when, when uh, he heard the news that his dear friend Lazarus was, was, um, was sick unto death and he did nothing? He waited. His disciples could not. You know, he, he jumps when someone he'd never met before says, can you come heal my daughter? But now his dear friend is ill and he seems to do nothing. And, and I've been in that place. Like, I don't understand you. I don't understand why you don't seem to be responding to something that is so important to me. And, and then we saw that eventually he said, let's go. And they got there four days after Lazarus had died, right? And, and it seems very intentional that Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And the very thing that caused physical, emotional, and spiritual pain to his people was the thing that was going to, was going to be for his glory and their good. He was going to give them a preview of bodily resurrection. So he's, he's got a plan, and it's a good plan. And yet he comes to Lazarus' tomb and weeps. I love it that we have a God who feels our pain. I love it that, that we have a God who weeps. I'm thinking of the psalmist. I know you have my tears in your bottle, right? But this is a step further. This is God crying with us for our pain and brokenness. If you're in that place today, know that that Jesus understands. Shortly after the Oklahoma City bombing, um, my family was in Oklahoma. We stopped by the site, and there, um, there's a statue in the corner across from the old federal building. There, now there's a beautiful uh, memorial there. Um, and it's a statue of Jesus. And guess what Jesus is doing? He's weeping. He's weeping. So I love it that we have a God who weeps with us. But this is not with us now outside of Jerusalem, is it? They were cheering. They were rejoicing. This is a God who weeps for us, right? Why? Why did Jesus weep, right? He says, he gives us two powerful reasons. They didn't know what would bring them peace. Now, you remember that, that Jerusalem was built on, on the tell, on the remains of the city of Salem. If you look back in the Old Testament, you see mention of the city of Salem or Shalom or peace, right? And, and David conquered that city of Salem and, and renamed it Jerusalem, right? Or God is our Peace, right? Isn't this ironic? Right? The city of Shalom didn't know what would bring them shalom. It reminds us of our of our vision, right? For our city. Seek the shalom of the city where I have sent you into exile, Jeremiah said on behalf of God. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its shalom you will find your shalom. That's why we moved toward the city. That's why we are here, to seek the shalom of the city. They didn't know 
what would bring them peace. They wanted a king of glory who would deliver them from their enemies. But what they got was a prince of peace who could deliver them from their sins. And over and over again, I find myself and I encounter people who are asking of God the wrong thing. Right? Fix my circumstances, God. When God says, I want to heal your heart. I want to, I want to forgive your sins. Oh, it had been prophesied. Please, if God gives you the opportunity this week, go to, you really you need to go to Isaiah 52 and 53, but if you don't have much time, go to Isaiah 53. Let me just give you a taste from your memory verses. Surely he, Jesus, took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by God, and afflicted. And he was. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us, there it is, shalom, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. Oh, it was all there. They just couldn't see it. They wanted a king of glory. They got a prince of peace. They wanted a lion and they got a lamb. They got the Lamb of God. And there's again such irony there. When Jesus comes again in glory, people will be looking for mercy, right? People will be looking for a Lamb. But when He comes again, guess what they're going to get? They're going to get the Lion of Judah. Beloved, now. Is the time of our salvation. Now is the time to seek the mercy of God. He wept for them because they did not know what would bring them peace. But he tells us later that he was also weeping because they did not know the day or the time it was. They did not know the day. Or the time. Do you ever do that thing when you're trying to orient yourself? And I've been so confused these last couple of days. No watches, no phones, no nothing. Um, what day is it? What time is it? But do you ever um, notice that that um, sometimes you just completely lose track of it and you don't know where you are? What day was this? We all know, right? Duh, people of Jesus' time, it's Palm Sunday, right? No. They were making it Palm Sunday. It, they, for them, it was a very different day, right? Do you remember from our study of Exodus? Right? It was four days before the Passover. It was a day they didn't call Palm Sunday. They called Lamb Selection Day. That's why so many people were coming into Jerusalem. Do you remember that three times a year at, at Passover, at Pentecost, at the Festival of Booths, every male Jew was required to come, if it's at all possible, to Jerusalem, right? And Passover was the time they came to make the sacrifice for their sins. Passover was the time when they came and they had to have a perfect, you can see this coming, can't you? A perfect, unblemished lamb, right? And here's the problem. If they started out from Egypt with an unblemished lamb by the time they got it to 
Jerusalem, it would be blemished. So most people figured out that that it's better to bring cash and and remember they had multiple currencies and we'll see that on Monday and and then to buy a perfect lamb there, right? So so they had to get there because the law required that four days before uh, Passover they would have their lamb and it would live with them. It would live with them for four days. Now, what's going to happen if you have this cute little lamb with you for four days? What's going to happen? Somebody tell me. You're going you're gonna to get attached to that little booger, aren't you? Yeah. I, do you remember the year I had Coco in the back room during uh, Palm Sunday and brought out our little, I didn't have a lamb, but I had a little dog that looked like a lamb. And, uh, uh, oh, my goodness, um, we just get so attached to them. Boy, is God just, like, cruel? Is he... Is, no, we want you to understand the cost of your forgiveness, right? There is no sacrifice. There's no mercy apart from the shedding of blood. And having a lamb in their home, a perfect little lamb, for four days, then to have to watch it be sacrificed, you would understand the magnitude of your sin. I am so guilty of this, of forgetting the magnitude of my unrighteousness and the cost of that in my relationship with God. And so um, they, God made it really clear for his people, keep that lamb with you for four days and then on, on, uh, on Friday at three o'clock then in and, and the weekly cycle that we normally follow, sacrifice that lamb for your sins, right? You could see this coming. We'll explore those things later this week. They didn't know what day it was. It was Lamb Selection Day. You shall get it on the 10th, and I'm jumping to the second one. You shall keep it until the 14th day when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight, at the beginning of the 15th day. So it was Lamb Selection Day, but what time was it, right? What time? And, and again, now the word is kairos, not chronos, right? So just like we have day and date, um, they had two words. One was was the chronological one uh, that we just looked at, and then but the other one is the is the God's timing, because it it might be Sunday or the Lord's day here according to the calendar, but this might be the day of salvation and God's timing. This might be the day of deliverance. On God's timing, this might be the day of healing on God's kairos. The problem for Jerusalem is they didn't recognize it. The problem for us is we don't recognize what Jesus is doing. They didn't know the time, literally the kairos of their visitation. The Lamb of God has come into the city, as, as Ray Vanderland says. It's almost like he was begging them, right? Um, choose me. Choose me. I'm coming to bear the consequences of your sin. On Lamb Selection Day, choose me. That brings up a couple questions. Come on up, worship team, if you would. Do you know what will bring you shalom? Do you know what will bring you peace? And I, 
I emphasize there the word know because I'm not just talking about head knowledge now. I'm talking about the biblical concept of knowledge which meant to experience. Have you experienced God's peace? Paul, the Apostle Paul, at the end of uh, his life, uh, made this statement, I want to know Christ. Yes, the power of his resurrection, be careful, and participation in his sufferings, right? The reason we're walking with Jerusalem through the passion, or excuse me, with Jesus through the passion is because the only way we'll fully appreciate the resurrection is if we understand the passion, right? I want to know the power of his resurrection, but the fellowship that comes from sharing, now a new international version, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I'm still wearing Luke 9:23. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. If you choose to join me in um, this daily time in God's word, that uh, Philippians 3, 10, and 11 will be our memory verse for, for that adventure. There are booklets for you out in the foyer, if you'd like. If we run out, I accidentally left a case of them at the retreat center. If we run out, um, just let me know. Just text me, and I will get one to you this week. But um, I want to know Christ. I want to really know Him. And I want to just place on Him all my expectations. I want to know Him and hear His desires for me. And so I just, I just want to invite you, let's drink deep this holy week. Let's know Christ. Let's know what will bring us peace. Then secondly, I want to ask you, in what are you trusting for your salvation? Have you chosen your Lamb? Have you chosen your Lamb? Because today, beloved, today is Lamb Selection Day. Today can be the day of salvation. For you. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for uh, how hundreds of years before the time of Christ, you revealed to your people exactly what would happen down to the last minute detail. Why? Why, God, did you give us so much insight? Because you didn't want anyone to miss the opportunity to take the Lamb of God as their lamb. To, to put their weight down on who he said he is. To make him our Lord. God, you didn't want anyone to miss your salvation. Oh, God, would you, would you impress on us today a vision for who the Lamb of God is? Would you, God, impress upon us today a vision for the worthiness of the Lamb that you have given us this Lamb Selection Day. God, and on this Lamb Selection Day, would you help us understand the Lamb's journey to the cross so that maybe, just maybe, God, the Lamb might be exalted in us. 
Thank you, God. Thank you for the Lamb of God. Thank you, God, for the cross. We praise you.